1: what's up everybody welcome to another episode of turn the jets live i'm your host steven Zance, joined by my co-host steven russo We are joined by a very special guest tyler brennewald of the jets wire and part of us today usa today's coverage of the jets what's up tyler how you doing tonight hey
0: everyone uh yeah i'm doing fantastic hope you guys are doing well too
2: what about you steven doing great uh, i think we're gonna dive right in here with this Zach wilson news so uh you know, I don't think we really need to announce anything. Um, they're struggling to get them signed. Uh, the only player not to report to camp. I know, Steven, you're, uh, you're pretty fired up about this, man. So we'll kick it off with you first. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this. It's pretty much been bothering me this entire day, you know, reading about everything and just seeing everything. But the bottom line is this. Every other first rounder, and really every other rookie is signed. Why are the Jets playing such hardball? And I've what everything I'm reading. It's not Joe Douglas. It's not, you know, like anybody in the front office. It is coming from the top. It is the Johnsons. It is Woody because they don't want to set a precedent about with this offset language stuff. And basically, if they do this for Zach, other players are going to do it and they don't want to do this. At the end of the day, you need to have a middle ground. This guy is the franchise quarterback. Whether you like it or not, we have nobody else on this roster. I don't want to hear about Mike White. I don't want to hear about James Morgan or whoever they even maybe acquired to be the backup quarterback for the actual regular season. It's just absolute lunacy what's going on. I'm just so frustrated that they haven't done this. He needs all the practice time he can get. You know, every day that he misses, yeah, it's probably not going to be a big deal if it's like, you know, two, three days, but who knows? What, what I, we actually uncovered today is that he's actually represented by Joey Bosa's agent. And if you go back to what his rookie season, He literally missed all of training camp and signed like, you know, a week before camp. You can't do that with a rookie quarterback. It's a lot easier to rush the passer without reps than playing quarterback. So I just I'm really frustrated. They need to figure this out. I tried my best not to curse here. The floor (laughs) is yours, Tyler.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you hit on all the the main points. I think the biggest issue with not getting Wilson in the door as quickly as possible is that it trickles down from the quarterback position, you're, every single player on that offense is going to play worse if you don't have the guy who's going to start week one there immediately. So as well as, as or as good as Mike White and Chase Morgan are in the eyes of Robert Sala as a backup QB, none of them are nearly as close to the skill level as Zach Wilson. So it doesn't make sense. It just needs to be resolved at some point. Precedent shouldn't matter because this is a new era, a new regime. You should be able to start clean and fresh. And this is not, a great start for this new era.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I think you both, uh, bring up <clears throat> extremely good points. What I, I would lean towards, first of all, we brought this up last week on our show, Stephen, I still don't think it's time to panic. Mm-hmm. Um, if this goes into the weekend, into that first, you know, full pad of practice, like we were just talking about, then yeah, I think, you know, then we can start hitting the panic button a little bit. I don't think it'll go as lengthy as Joey Bosa's. If he misses, you know, four weeks of training camp, then it's like, that just gets into ridiculous territory, but I guess what I would say is from my point of view, which is the fans point of view, it's just frustrating. It's annoying. It's infuriating. Like this, the the Jets have literally done no wrong in this entire off season. We're coming off of two years of Adam Gase. Nobody could be more excited about Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, and what they've built in this off season and the trajectory of this team. And you guys not getting this done right now, just puts a sour taste in your mouth and it takes the wind right out of their sails coming into camp. I mean, we could not be more excited about this training camp, this team and the foundation that they're building and to continue to, to for Woody Johnson to have to draw this line in the sand. Like I get setting a precedent, but at this point, find a middle ground to your point, Stephen, find it, get the deal done, get them in camp. Let's be excited. Like we all were for the last, you know, three months post-draft.
1: Yeah. Like it's literally to the point where it's like all the positive momentum and all the good vibes you're hearing about in the building. It's like, it's all vanished because of what's going on. And it just brings back that narrative that, you know, the Browns have had as well. And, you know, they finally have gotten rid of it, but it's like the LOL jets. It's like, why are bad teams staying bad when you do things like this? I kind of just quoted Mike Florio because I was reading him saying that, but he does have a point, even though I know he's being a little bit negative because he likes to rip on the jets because they're an easy target. But at the end of the day, you need to get things done and good teams would not allow this to happen. And the thing that makes it more frustrating is everyone was pointing to how Trey Lance was unsigned, but guess what? They got it done the first day that they really needed to, and he's practicing. And the difference is with that situation is Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be the quarterback week one. So even if he was unsigned and not practicing, it wasn't going to affect him as much as it's going to affect Zach Wilson because He's the quarterback. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. Even if they get another guy in, I know they're looking at Josh Johnson, Sean Menion but either of those guys are actually going to you know push him for the job. If they got someone like Nick Foles, yeah, he probably could push him, but he's not going to be the quarterback either. So Zach needs to be out there. He needs every rep he can get. I know that, you know, like the pads don't actually come on until Saturday. So realistically, it doesn't matter till then, but I'm going there on Saturday and so are you, Steven. And if I'm not seeing him there, <laughs> I'm going to be really pissed because yeah. we, the fans want to see this, you know, they keep calling me to try to get tickets every day. I'm like, I'm not going if you guys are going to keep having this president of not signing the main player, the most important guy of the franchise. I mean, it's just out of it's insane. I just can't take
2: it anymore. Like, just yeah. get it done. It's not that hard. And I know it's the age old adage in sports, you know, deadlines for an action. I get it. But still, you've had three months to figure this out. You knew going into it that the offset language was going was to be a problem. It was going to yeah. be a hang up. But you had three months to hammer this deal out. And it's just it, it really just is frustrating. And I don't blame Joe Douglas. I know this is Woody Johnson. But still, I mean, you have to find a middle ground to be able to get this done so you can get him in camp. This is more important than it's ever been with a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. an entirely new offensive system with relying on not only new players, but young players as well. So this is every rep that he misses is an important rep. Again, I'm not going to hit the panic button just yet, but I'm getting closer and closer with every day that this drags out.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's also a little frustrating because this isn't the first time this has happened with the Jets you guys sort of alluded to it. this happened with Sam Darnold he missed three mm-hmm. days of practice which again mm-hmm. wasn't a really big deal but it was the exact same situation even Quinn Williams missed a little bit of time I think because of the idea of when he would be paid his signing bonus because he was in Alabama first where there's mm-hmm. like a shorter income tax than in New Jersey so it's just like at some point I mean we're saying the same thing over and over again which is fine but like there's got to be middle ground you got to get him in yeah and it, it, it's it's such a small concession to make because you shouldn't be worried about offset offset language it's like the same thing that like Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator said you don't plan to mess up if yeah. everything goes smoothly you'll pay him the money because he played really well it, it's like if it doesn't go smoothly then then it didn't matter anyway <laughs>
1: Yeah, like you're all screwed anyway. And what kind of message are you sending? Like literally, it's like you're saying, "Oh yeah, we don't know if you're necessarily going to be good." Like, no, you invested a lot of capital and resources into developing this guy. Like, you have to get this done. Okay, we could we could transition. (laughs) Um, So, Tyler, (laughs) you touched on Quinnen a little bit. So, one of the big like you know tidbits that I got from watching Salas' press conference today is that Quinnen's probably out until he said about August 16th. So, like the green and white scrimmage you guys think this is concerning? You know, what would you say is like your panic meter right now from 1 to 10, Tyler? I'm curious.
0: Since he hasn't ruled him out for week one yet, I don't think there's any reason to panic. Everyone knew when he got surgery that his timetable was like 8 to 12 weeks, which kind of lines up with what he was saying. might be a little bit later, but that's fine. I think with a guy like Quinnen, I mean, he's not – he's technically a veteran, but he's played enough where I don't think practice is necessarily as important. Granted, new defensive scheme – he needs those reps, but I think his health is probably more important than him picking up the defense. Like the Jets aren't playing to win the Super Bowl this year. Would it be great if they did? Absolutely. Would it be great if they made the playoffs? Absolutely. But I think it's going to take time. It's going to take a couple of games for everyone to, to acquiesce anyway. So I think it's more important not to rush Quinn back, uh, especially if it's dealing with a foot injury, which we know can linger in athletes for years.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Steven? Same thing. Yeah, I mean, on the uh, the panic meter, you know, one to 10, I'm probably at a two or a three. Uh, I'm not going to put a lot of stock in this. Uh, I agree with Tyler. I think it's, it's better to take him back and be cautious and be slow with it. I think he can still get mental reps in a new system. That's probably the biggest concern is just, you know, it, him learning a new system because he is going to be a big part of this defense and we all expect him to make a huge jump from year two to year three. However, you don't want to risk that by rushing him back too quickly, especially in early training camp. So, if mid-August is is the date, and uh, and he still gets you know uh, some reps in there um, before the you know before the first uh, season opener, then I'm good. But I think getting him on the field for week one at Carolina that's going to be the biggest thing. So, whatever cautious steps you have to take to make sure that happens, I'm I'm in favor of.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, I think as long as he, like if he's not in the green and white scrimmage and he's still not practicing by the middle of August, then my level of concern will go up. But as of now, not a big deal. And I know I was just talking to you guys off air about, you know, their biggest concern is they don't want him to put too much pressure on his healthy foot because, you know, he's going to be trying to overcompensate and worried about, you know, re-injuring the injured foot. And as someone who has like a shoulder problem, I've, I've had those experiences where I'm trying to overcompensate with my better shoulder and, it ultimately leads to, you know, some pain on that side. So I just want them to be cautious. He's basically the second or third most valuable asset on the team outside of Zach Wilson. It just depends if you choose him or Becton. So to me, in terms of injuries for both those guys, especially Becton as well, just be as cautious as possible. Becton definitely needs reps. You know, like he did miss some time last year. and I definitely like to get all the work he can in, especially now that he's in really good shape. I was reading on Twitter how, you know, he definitely looks really good and, you know, he had no issues at all. And because I know obviously he was dealing with an injury as well, but yeah, no, it's definitely pretty good. I I think from a health perspective, the team looks good. Um, But the two other updates from the injury perspective is that Ashton Davis and both Vinny Curry are actually out supposed to be out until the home opener. Do you guys think that's a little concerning? I think Vinny Curry is less concerning Ashton Davis. You know, that's a little bit of an eyebrow raiser just because, you know, he's supposed to be like a, either a starter, or, you know, like kind of working as a hybrid, like linebacker safety, but like a little concerning, especially for his growth as a second year player and also trying to learn a new defense. I'll, I'll put it to you, Stephen. What do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been i I'm a big believer in Ashton Davis. I mean, I said on last week's show, he's kind of the guy that I'm banking on to be a surprise player. And I think he's got, you know, like you said, he's got a chance to be a Swiss army knife in this. And I think the, you know, uh, overall kind of weakness that we see in the secondary will benefit him a little bit because I think we'll get a lot of looks to be, you know, a a versatile player in solid defense. So being so young, kind of having some injury concerns last year as well, it's mildly concerning that he's he's not ready and that he's probably not going to be ready until week two. I think he can play and be a big factor in this defense. So him uh, being out right now is concerning. Uh, I'm not, you know, uh, Vinny Curry, I think, is 33 years old. I mean, he's been around the block. Him getting reps in preseason is not going to, that's not going to worry me as much. And he's definitely just a rotational piece in that defensive line, um, you know, a spot pass rusher. So I'm not overly concerned with that. But Ashton Davis, yeah, I mean, mildly concerning uh, on that front. I think he's going to, you know, got a chance to be a good piece in this defense. I'd like to see him out on the field, but, uh, you know, we'll see what shakes out. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts?
0: The fact that they both, uh, will miss the physically unable to perform list. I think is the most important aspect of this thing. Like I think their turnaround won't be nearly as long as it could be. I agree with you 100. Vinny Curry missing time is to be expected. He was going to probably be a rotational player anyway. On that defense, he understands the defense. He understands how to play. Davis is a little more concerning, as you mentioned, mostly because he has a role on this team in the secondary and on the side too. Like the ideal situation is he would be the heir apparent to that safety position with Marcus May, if the jets trade him or if they don't sign him after this year. So I think he needs as many reps as possible. What I do think is interesting about this defense is it's going to be a very, the the secondary situation is going to be so different because like the safeties and the linebackers kind of work in tandem a little bit. And Davis kind of toes that line between safety and linebacker. So, I'm less concerned about the defense as a whole without Ashton Davis in the lineup for a week or two. But yeah, from, from the developmental standpoint, I think Ashton Davis is missing all this time, especially if it's still rehabbing injury from last year. I think that's a more concerning aspect of his long-term future with the Jets. If he is poised to become a a big part of this defense moving forward.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point. You brought up Tyler about his, you know, injury from last year, if it's lingering, because Ashton Davis's game is really, you know, runs through his athleticism because he's like an athletic, athletic specimen. You know, he can run, he can jump, he can do a lot of cool things. I know he made highlights last year when he was doing backflips in this, like, first practice with the Jets. So I think, you know, an injury that's lingering from last year is definitely concerning because, it you know, it could give him that injury-prone label. And, you know, I think you guys hit it as well with Vinnie Curry. I'm not too worried about him. He's definitely a rotational piece. We're not accounting on him to be an every-down player. And I think he will be productive in his role, especially when he's surrounded with, you know, the defensive line talent that we currently have. Um, transitioning a little bit away from the injuries and more about, you know, like the ones and twos, I think, you know, it's fans were seeing how, you know, Keelan Cole was out there with Corey Davis and James Crowder, which basically relegated the Denzel Mims and both Elijah Moore to the second team. Um, I know I've been high on Denzel Mims. I know, Steven, you've also been high on Denzel Mims. Tyler, not sure how you feel about him, but do you guys think that this is a little concerning that in year two, Denzel Mims, somebody that, you know, we had a lot of high hopes for when we selected him. He can't seem to get those first team reps. I know it's the first practice, but, you know, it's definitely something to think about if he's losing out to Keelan Cole, who's really been like a a third or fourth best guy on a team when he was in Jacksonville. So Tyler, what do you think about this?
0: I think the situation with Mims is a little bit of two things. One, I think he missed a lot of time in OTAs with like illness and injury, which definitely played a role. So Keelan was able to kind of accelerate his development in the Mm -hmm. offense. I also think it has to do with, and this is my personal opinion, Denzel Mims is a second year player. He played what half the season last year, learning a brand new offense. He barely played, or he didn't really see any time in the offseason practice wise as he was recovering from various injuries. I think it's more about Keelan Cole being a veteran who understands how to play in the NFL and he doesn't necessarily need it, the, the time to pick up the playbook is probably faster than it would be for Mims. So I think for Mims, it's more of a developmental uh, play. Mm-hmm. Put Mims with the twos, there's not a lot of. Uh, Expectations of him to show off his skills as as easily as possible, and then finally, there's also a scheme fit. I think Keelan Cole is a much better scheme fit in the Michael Fur offense than Denzel Mims. Kyle Shanahan's styles of offense never really needed that big outside receiver as off as much as he did needed the the inside guys, the ones that can kind of make plays inside the numbers and make plays with their feet. Mims can definitely do that, but he was kind of pegged as that that big play outside thread who can make the 50-50 catches so I think this is less about Mims being a bad player and more about Mims slowly picking up the offense a little bit more and just having Keelan Cole in there immediately
2: so I think that's a very interesting point Tyler and so it's one that um you know you kind of have to if you remain objective and take a look at it right and all of us when we when we heard flight 2021 and and or I'm sorry we heard um Uh, Michael Flores press conference where he came out and he said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to mold my offense to my player, to my player's best abilities. Right. So typically Tyler, you know, you say a Shanahan offense doesn't really utilize, doesn't really need that, you know, big body wide receiver. However, when you look at Zach Wilson and what, hopefully when he gets in camp, but what his game was, a lot of it was predicated on those, those, you know, giving your receivers a chance, throwing those 50, 50 balls up, which is exactly what Denzel Mims excels at. So I think getting him on the field, any chance he, get a, you know, you have to get a 64 215 pound receiver that can muscle guys around, get those, uh, you know, those jump balls, you got to get them on the field. So I think, it's um it's an interesting thing to watch. Definitely, I think Denzel Mims just still has a lot to prove. I mean, he missed uh, all of training camp last year in a weird year because of COVID. He missed the first eight weeks of the season. Came in and played, you know, with Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco. He showed flashes, but still, there's a lot there left to prove. I still do think at the end of this and come Week One at Carolina, if healthy, it's you're going to see uh, Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, and Jameson Crowder as your starting three. Um, I think Keelan Cole is a nice add. I think he's a good depth piece. I think he'll have a role in this offense. I still think that. It, they're bringing Mims along slowly and i think it's a time thing but he's going to be the, he's going to end up being the, one of the best two receivers on this team and, and start in uh in week 1. Don't do you guys see Elijah,
0: Elijah Moore. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say like do you think he if if we think Mims is going to take over for Cole do we think Moore is going to take over for Crowder before the season starts or is that going to be like something that happens later?
1: So, what i've what i think and we've talked about this especially when like you know his he was talking about his contract and he was unhappy you know depending on Crowder Crowder's looking if a you know a team has an injury at receiver like a team that really is trying to go for a super bowl i could see a scenario where they trade him before the deadline because he does have value and he is a productive mm-hmm. player and i do think that the team's long-term vision for Elijah Moore is to be an inside out guy where he could play in the slot but he also could be on the outside for you know those home run plays so i think early on it's probably be Crowder's role to lose and if he's playing well and you know there's the opportunity to trade him they probably aren't bringing him back. So I could see Joe Douglas trying to maximize that value, maybe get like a fourth round pick for him because realistically he's a slot receiver. He's not going to net anything higher than that. So I personally think that Elijah Moore's role will grow as the season goes on. Even if Crowder does stay on the team the rest of the year, I think he's actually going to be, you know, probably the most explosive player we have on offense and maybe even rival Corey Davis first for some touchdowns, because he really just is like a home run hitter and you can really see a lot of big things. But, um, Going back to Mims, I think you guys also nailed this. I think he just needs to learn the offense. He didn't have a training camp last year. I think that definitely hurt him a little bit from a growth perspective. And I think, you know, it's it's still early. The pads aren't even on. I would say if he's just, like, you know, not doing anything come, like, week six, like, if he's just really struggling, then you can really be panicked. But I think at this point, just wait and see and be patient. We do have some depth at receiver.
2: Yeah. So I'll, first of all, I want to go back and correct myself because I said Denzel Mims would probably be one of the top two. So I'll correct it to top three. Cause I do think at the, in the end, it's going to be any, <laughs> any combination of Corey Davis, Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims, but that's really what I do believe. So uh, Tyler, to answer your question on Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder, I mean, I think uh, there's never been an excitement like around Elijah Moore, like there, or I'm sorry, there's never been an excitement around a player like there is Elijah Moore, you know, a second rounder coming into camp. Um, However, from, you know, the Jameson Crowder perspective, I can totally see a scenario where Elijah Moore exceeds expectations, shows that he can, he can do that, you know, be, be that slot guy. And the Jets trade uh, Jameson Crowder to a, uh, you know, uh, an injury riddled team or something before the deadline. My personal opinion is to keep him for the year. I really, maybe I'm scarred from the Sam Donald experience. Maybe I'm, I'm scarred from the Jets having, you know, trotting out, uh, you know, Chris Hogan and, and Jeff Smith, uh, you know, to, to start for Sam Darnold. but, the more depth and talent you can have, the better, especially with a young quarterback. So I'd like to see them just keep him for the year, um, especially, you know, I do. I think Jameson Crowder is a nice player. And I think we spend so much time talking about, um, you know, freeing people from Adam Gase. Well, Jameson Crowder was the leading receiver in an Adam Gase offense. I think that counts for something. So I'd like to see what he can do in a Mike LaFleur offense. I'd like to see what he can do in the Shanahan system, Shanahan system. So um, I do think that, uh, you know, there, I do see a scenario where they could trade him around the deadline. But I really would like to see them keep him for the year. What
0: are your thoughts, Tyler? Braxton Barrios Braxton being the sixth wide receiver in this group instead of the second is absolutely incredible.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> we're, we're all scarred that, from last year. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: yeah. I mean, I love James and Crowder. I, I like the signing when they did it. Mm-hmm. I think the number one priority of the 2021 season is developing Zach Wilson. I think you do that with as many, many good players as you possibly can. Granted, that if a team like the Saints come calling for Crowder for like a third or fourth round pick, Joe Douglas is going to jump at that opportunity rather than lose Crowder mm-hmm. for nothing because he knows he has a stable of wide receivers behind him. But yeah, I, I think you keep as many players as you want to, to have Wilson to have and then you just see where he is at the end of the year.
2: Definitely. Yeah. And you're not in a jam financially and, you know, they have the picks for next year too. So it's not necessarily a need. I mean, if you want to, you know, if the jets are, I don't know, one and five, two and four, you know, you're not going anywhere. You want to, you know, recoup that six or that, you know, fourth or fifth rounder, because, you know, you're doing right by Jamison Crowder. I can get behind that. I can understand that, but uh, you know, for the development of your young quarterback, keep as many talented guys as you can and learn from the past mistakes and just, you know, make sure that he has actual targets, talented targets to throw to.
1: You, I, I agree. And Crowder's definitely been a really good jet since we got brought him over from, from Washington. Like, you know, I think part of the expectation was he wasn't supposed to be the best receiver on the team, but you know, because Robbie Anderson left, that's what Mm -hmm. happened last year, but like, he was really solid in 2019 also. I know like, obviously he was playing in a more traditional role where he was really our third receiver, but you know, I definitely like what I've seen from him, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if the trade that makes sense is available, you got to do it. But I, I think, you know, keeping as many good weapons around Zach for his first year and really throughout his entire career is what you need to do. And yeah, I definitely think he can be productive in this offense, but, you know, like Bar- Barrios can do a lot of the same things that he can do. And I know Elijah Moore is really versatile as well. So I think it's just like a wait and see situation, but going into the season, definitely keep him unless some team is like, here's a second round pick, like right before the season starts because a major injury happens. But yeah, I'm super excited. You know, I love the receiving room. We always talk about how, there's no superstar. There's no like, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs, no Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, but it's just a very deep group. And I know one of my friends like, didn't even realize that Keelan Cole was on the team. He's a Giants fan, so he didn't know. He's like, wow, the Jets actually have some depth at receiver. I'm like, it's pretty nice coming from someone who's not a Jets fan, because typically we have the Jet goggles and always think our guys are better than they actually are. <laughs>
2: But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I know we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, when you look at the D line and you say, you know, I could see a scenario where maybe one guy gets 10 plus sacks, but then you got five or six guys that are around five or six. I could see the same thing with, uh, with the receiving room where, you know, maybe there's three or four guys that get 50 plus catches. I mean, that could definitely, there could definitely be a scenario where there's not a true number one, but they're all getting a lot of looks and they're all getting a lot of targets and catches. And I do, th- I think it's, it's the deepest group we've had in a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm truly excited about this wide receiver core. And I just think that they're doing, and you look Look at the offensive line too. They're doing the things that you should uh to surround Zach Wilson with talent to set him up for success. If they could just get him in camp, that'd be yep. great. Let's get him here.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's it's super from from a team perspective. I think it's almost better. I mean, granted, would you love to have a Julio Jones and AJ Brown as your one and two and then figure out the rest? Yeah, absolutely. But from a schematic perspective it's it's almost better to have like four or five guys that can do a lot of different things Defenses what are you going to do are you going to just double up Corey Davis and leave Elijah Moore or Jameson Crowder Denzel Mims open like no you're going to have to cover everyone which makes it a little bit easier on the offense on Zach Wilson on the running game to kind of exploit those weaknesses so I I think Joe Douglas Robert Sala that whole team did a very good job of bringing in a a breadth of guys to then build around and, and figure out what to do this year
2: yeah and I mean, to your point, that's the second group of three today was Denzel Mims, Braxton Barrios, and Elijah Moore. I feel pretty good about that. That's that makes me feel a lot better than I have. in I can't remember when about the receiver. Would
0: you have been fine with that as the one, two, three last year?
2: I mean, I would have been excited. I would have been jumping for joy <laughs> considering what we actually had. Yeah, You know, I mean, in all seriousness, we did. We tried. Who's who started last year? Chris Hogan. Uh, outside, you know, yeah. Rashad Perryman. That's what, oh that's who Rashad Perryman. Team. Please let's never on, say that name again. Opening day. I mean, that's, <laughs> but that's, that's the reality of it. Yeah. So that's, that is my case for keeping Jameson Crowder. I would like to see him here for the whole year, simply from the depth piece and, and just the, you know, the talent standpoint and, and keeping talented people that can catch the ball around Sam Darnold. So yep. I'm, I'm sorry, i Sam not Donald around Zach Wilson. Look at that. <laughs> It's okay. Um, so let's we'll, uh Steven, if you don't mind, we'll talk about uh just another, you know, the 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 depth piece here. So the other two things I think that were notable from today's practice were Michael Carter starting with the ones and then Tyler Croft uh Tyler Croft as well uh over Chris Herndon um in the tight end group. So what do you guys think about that? Well, Tyler, I feel like you got to talk about Tyler Croft. You got to root for him, he's got the same name <laughs> as you, right?
0: <laughs> we got Tyler Croft, we've got Ty Johnson. I almost yeah, <laughs> All the ties on, on the Jets. Um, Tyler Croft, I think Chris Herndon is, is entering a very interesting season for himself. I think this is he's teetering on draft bust, which I guess at this point is to be expected with Mike McCagnon players outside of Quinn Williams. Um, so I think, again, Tyler Croft is a very good blocking tight end who pr- has proven in the past to be an adept pass catcher as well. So I think he right now he fits the team better. He's performing better in the offense. I think Chris Herndon is in a similar boat to Denzel Mims. It's taking him longer to pick up the playbook, which only hurts his future with the team. I think it will be much easier for Joe Douglas to move on from Chris Herndon if he underperforms this year, and if he performs, even if he performs adequately, I think it'll be hard for McCagnie to keep him. So. Tyler Croft again might be one of those guys that he starts all throughout camp. And then somewhere along the way, Chris Herndon proves a a light bulb flicks on and and he's, he's the week one starter. So I wouldn't be surprised that Tyler Croft started week one, but I am still expecting Herndon because of that, that potential, that, that skill level to, to eventually take over as that starting tight end.
1: Yeah. I I feel similarly. I mean, I think Croft really fits the you know the Michael Force scheme because it's very run heavy. So I, I think I understand you know the logic behind when they signed him, and I think you know Hurdin hopefully will get some red zone looks. Um, but kind of going back to you're talking about Michael Carter, um, you know I was reading a lot today about how the left side looked really good. There's a lot of holes being opening up, so I'm getting super excited to see that you know Beckton, Avt, accommodation. I'm just hoping that the offense completely runs to the left side every single play because. You know, if ABT is as advertised, which it seems like he's probably going to be, and Becton just stays on the field because we know the talent is there. The man is just a mammoth of a human. He stopped Aaron Donald. I mean, if you could stop Aaron Donald, you're, to me, the seal, there's no ceiling of what he could be. And I know Stephen's really betting that this man is going to make the Pro Bowl this year, maybe even all pro. It's going to be tough, but like I'm super excited to see what Michael Carter can do. It's really encouraging that he was able to run with the first team. I know he did switch off with Coleman. But I think it's good to have a one-two punch. In the NFL, it's a passing league. So if you have two solid backs rather than just having a workhorse, I think it could be really, really strong for the offense. And I think it also can open up the playbook a little bit because you know, maybe one of them is getting more designated for passing downs and the other will be more for like the rushing downs. But yeah, I'm super excited for about both these guys and I'm interested to see how the tight end room shakes out. Cause I think Daniel Brown will be cut. I think Ryan Griffin might actually resurge a little bit. He was actually really good the first year of Gase. I know it's That's, like, not saying much, but he did catch a bunch of touchdowns and made a few nice plays. Last year was kind of just a lost season for him, so I'm interested to see how he shakes out with this team. Stephen, what do you think about these two guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it bodes well for Michael Carter that uh, he opened up, you know, in the number one spot at running back. I do. I – I think the trust is obviously there with Tevin Coleman, so for him to come out and be the number one guy, I think that uh, that's impressive and that's something that we all expect. But I, I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting expecting it um, this quickly. Uh, to kind of touch on Stephen, your point about you know the left side, I, I I love it. I love that they're you know first day of camp and they're running that way. I can't, I couldn't stand last year seeing Becton pointing at the sideline, angry as hell because he was telling Gaze to keep running his way and he just wouldn't listen and then hand the ball to Frank Gore for an, a run up the middle on you know second and twelve um and then from the you know the Herndon piece and Tyler Croft I mean um I think Herndon yeah he still has a lot to prove I, I think um you know we've had uh, other people on the show that have had differing opinions you know we had Will Parkinson on uh who was really like you know he brought up a good point in that you know look at him through the same uh, goggles that we looked at Sam Darnold through and in reality it's very similar you're kind of banking on uh, that last four game stretch of his rookie season to be the truth. And then, you know, I think he had a clear case of the lip of the yips last year, but, uh, but came on, you know, semi-strong at the end of that year, but we're, we're trying to see who the real Chris Herndon is. Uh, and then, you know, uh, on the other side, you had Dolbin who, you know, planted his stake firmly in the, the Herndon hive last week. So, um, I'm anxious to see what it really shakes out with, because I do think, uh, it's a run heavy scheme. So having a good blocking tight end, uh, you know, that bodes well for Tyler Croft, but Chris Herndon's not a bad blocker either. And I think you kind of see what this system can do with a with a good receiving tight end. With I'm not saying that Hernan's George Kittle, but you know Hernan has uh, I think good potential there as a pass catcher. So um, I'd say mildly concerning that Hernan's still with the twos. I think he's got a lot of uh, you know a lot to prove, but I'd like to to see him uh, eke his way into the starting lineup because I'm still uh, I'm still a believer there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that everybody that's on this team that wasn't from you know this year's draft class that we were kind of down on really just shows out because it's just. That gay's freedom watch, as I love to talk about, and I just think it's yeah. a breath of fresh air. I know I was seeing Jared Davis was speaking to the media today, and he was just saying there was times when he was in Cleveland where he wanted to quit football, similar to what Fitzpatrick said about his 2016 mm-hmm. season with the Jets. And he says he's kind of feeling like rejuvenated, and revitalized. And I think you're really going to see that effect on all the guys who are co- returning from the 2020 team, just because it was just it was hard for them. You know, they were losing; they lost, you know, 12 straight games to start the season which is miserable and it's just like mm-hmm. how could you get to that point and on top of it just being a tough year because of COVID and all the restrictions and everything in life you know I think that there's going to be some juice and I and I'm hoping that our rookie quarterback is there to provide the spark because <laughs> I'm hoping you know he comes tomorrow or he comes Friday and it's similar to Darnold, like they're giving him like a standing ovation and clapping and then you go he just takes it takes the bull by the horns and he's ready to go because at the end of the day, he's the most important man to walk into that building every single day going forward. So we need him there, and I'm just hoping that you know Joe Douglas, Woody Johnson can get this done because the longer this shakes out, it's just going to become a distraction. It's just not something the team needs right now, especially with all the positive momentum we had. And mm-hmm. you know, you know, we want to get to the season clean, clean three, and this just isn't fair for Robert Sala his first year, where this is the guy he's supposed to be, you know, going to battle with, and he doesn't have him, and it's just. He doesn't want to keep answering questions about it every day. And I feel bad for him because it's just not ideal.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny watching Robert's solid press conferences. And I think he's still trying to figure out how to deal with those, those classic media questions where people ask him something that he clearly does not know any more information about. And he just has (laughs) to say like effectively no comment, but it just makes it makes him sound like he doesn't know what's going on. And it's truly mostly because another thing, the power structure is so different now. Yeah. Like, he doesn't make the decisions anymore. He doesn't work with J- Douglas. Like, it's Sala, Douglas, Woody. It's mm-hmm. not Sala and, and Douglas anymore. So I think it's it's interesting seeing Robert Sala have to contend with the media in that regard. And, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll give the information when he has it. And I think that, unfortunately, people just kind of have to wait.
1: Yeah. yeah. We actually I got... Think- Oh, really quickly, we got an interesting yep. question from one of the viewers, Greg Waters, just asking about the contract issue. He said, is it a Joe Douglas thing or an ownership thing? So just to answer that question, Greg, everything I've read, and I'm pretty sure that Tyler and Steve read the same thing, it's definitely coming from the top. It's not Joe Douglas. It's just because they don't want to set a precedent that they're not going to do offset language for anybody in the future. And it just seems like it's kind of Joe Douglas's hands are tied. Steven didn't mean to cut you up. I just thought it was a good question to answer.
2: No, that was totally fine. I think. Um, yeah, I mean. You know, overall, as we look to this year, I think the biggest thing, it, kind of my overarching thoughts, just on how this year will play out. I don't expect them to be a playoff team. Could I see a scenario where um, they get to that point? Uh, yes, I do. However, I think our, you know, most of our overall expectations are just for them to compete. But I think the biggest thing, and learning from years past, is the the biggest uh, the biggest want that I have out of this season is to simply have answers on what we can rely on for 2022 which is something the jets have just simply haven't had in a long time. I mean everything as you uh, as we finished up seasons past as you look at it um they've just had rolls of the dice that have gone to the next season where it's like okay well if we can bank on this this guy being good which is still a question mark then maybe we're okay. But let's get answers out of important, you know, positions and, and know that we can be uh, reliable in certain areas that are building blocks for the future. That's the biggest thing that I want. And then, you know, just every little tidbit, um, uh, you know, that we hear about the Zach Wilson thing just puts doubt in minds and that's just not what I want. So I want to know that we can have a reliable corner in Bryce Hall. I want to know that we can have a reliable young receiving core. Uh, I want to know that we can have building blocks and those are things that, okay, you can check the box on and then say, okay, now I got to go out and get this to, you know, fulfill a need next off season and not just have complete question marks at you know, across the board uh on the roster uh for 2022. This should be the building block season. So I hope we can have some of those uh, some of those boxes checked and question answers. Definitely. I
0: think that's those are all in terms of expectations, realistic goals, like don't look at the win column, just look at like point differential. I think yep. if they can avoid being the highest point differential in the league, then it's a successful season. If they go what is it, three and what is it, 16 games now, I guess, or, or 17 games now, 17, right? 17, yeah. Yep. So if they, if they win less than half of those games, I think if they're within a score or two, or not even two, within 10 points, I think it's successful. And if you come out of the season, like you are saying, if you know that Zach Wilson is at least developing and mm-hmm. he's not making the same mistakes he did in college. He's not turning the ball over a lot. I think those... Mm-hmm are positive outlooks like no playoff mandate that would just be putting too much pressure on this oh, team sure. too much pressure on Salah so I, I think looking at the season season as the building block here is, is the correct take and I think that's the take that most of people in, in Jets facility probably expect the players obviously want to win the Super Bowl but I think his mm-hmm. fans uh should also be looking at it that way as well
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like the point differential uh, take, Tyler. I think that's a good thing to look at because last year we, I think we had the worst one by far. It was like historically was bad. bad. I remember reading into Terrible. it. I'm like, this is just, it's like burning my eyes. But uh Stephen, <laughs> going back to Bryce Hall, I just want to congratulate him on the birth of his first child, and also for George Fan. I know he was placed on the the reserve COVID list. Just obviously wish he's well. I know he has to quarantine for ten days because I don't think he's vaccinated. But obviously hope he's okay want to get him back soon because he is a really nice depth piece for the offensive line, even though he is battling with Morgan Moses for the right tackle job. Um, So, Tyler, obviously, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I know you obviously have been covering the team for a bit for the Jets Wire. For anyone who hasn't followed Tyler on Twitter, it's uh, Ty Green 14 and uh, he has a nice piece about Elijah Moore. It's a feature they wrote a few weeks back, and he mentioned that he's also working on a piece about Michael Carter that should be coming out before the first preseason game. Any thoughts on that, Tyler? Why we our, our viewers should watch, read this stuff?
0: I think one of the, the best parts so far about talking to Elijah and Michael Carter and just the people around both of them is that it seems like Joe Douglas has drafted fantastic people. Like they were probably the nicest people I've ever spoken to. They gave a ton of time that they didn't need to to talk with me. I think the both, thing that they both said, and these are two different stories about two different people, but they both said the same thing is that what matters most to them is who they are, uh, as people. And that'll translate to how they play on the field. So if you're a good person first, then you'll be a good player. Great. I mean, it's, it all sounds fantastic. Um, but it was really refreshing to hear, um, especially from two really young guys who are poised to be play big roles on this team in the future. Um, real quick on, on Michael Carter, cause then talk about sort of my, my thoughts on him in the offense real quick. I think he played, uh, he, he and Javante Williams and, and, and UNC back-to-back 50-50 split. I think that'll be the same. And I think he kind of thrives in that sense. I don't think he necessarily needs to be that three down back. And, and he talked about it with me, how that being in that situation and not necessarily needing to tote the load every single time kind of helped him sort of understand the game a little more and kind of help working with someone. So I think it was really cool to see. And I think it'll translate well into his role in the Jets. Um, in the future, who knows if he'll be – a three-down back for us to, if we'll continue to do the committee. But it, it's, it'll be cool to see this year how he works in with either Coleman or, or Ty Johnson or Michael Green or whoever else we bring in.
1: Great stuff. And don't forget to check out those pieces on uh, Jets Wire. as part of the USA Today's coverage of the Jets. Any closing thoughts, Steven?
2: No. I mean, I think, uh, you know, like I said in, the, in our opening comments about Zach Wilson, it's, uh, it's an exciting time as a Jets fan. Just don't take the wind out of our sails here get it done, get Zach in camp. It's an important, uh, it's, it's very important for a young QB with a young team and a new offense, new coaching staff, all that. I don't need to rehash it all. Just don't take the wind of our sails out of our sails. Keep the confidence, keep the momentum going here, get them in camp, make it happen.
1: Totally agree. Don't want to, you know, keep saying it again, but, uh, like I mentioned every week, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at turn on the jets on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed uh, turn on the jets podcast on Apple, Spotify, or uh, Google play. And as always, if you're not a member of the uh, badlands Patreon, make sure you check that out as well. I know some great content is definitely coming soon, especially the docu series about Zach Wilson. Hopefully he'll be signed by the time it comes out. Um, And Connor actually had a great first video that he posted yesterday, just talking about the contract. So if you're interested to find out more details, Connor breaks it down really well there. And I'll also check out the merchandise on Badlands. It's great stuff. I love my tag top. I know everyone that has it loves it.